DJ, PK, and Riley Jensen joins us now. He's on the Sprint special guest line. Get an iPhone 11 when you activate a new line of service with a flex lease and eligible trade-in now through December 5. Visit the Sprint store near you. Riley, good morning. What is up, dudes? Pac-12 title game, college football playoffs, new rankings from the committee, conspiracy theories. It's a TV show. There's East Coast bias. The Pac-12 gets no respect. The Utes only have 25 fans, and Paul Feinbaum's going to hear from all of them. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, there's there's just a little bit going on this week. I mean, is this regardless of of like the disrespect for Utah, the you know the East Coast by all these things that you just listed off? Is it not the biggest game in the history of University of Utah? Is I think it, it is. Is this game is this game bigger than the Sugar Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl? I think it is. Yeah. I think it is. I think this is the biggest. I mean, because it's all for naught. It doesn't even matter if they lose this game, right? Correct. Yeah, and, and I think I think lost in all of this is there was a debate when they joined the Pac-12. How long is it going to take to win a Pac-12 title? Five years, ten years. There were plenty of people who thought twenty-five years. It could take. Right. It could take generations to. And so here it is, year nine, yeah. and a group that's been there before. That in the words of Zach Moss, eh, was a little bit of happy to be there last year, and now it's like winter bust. I thought. Win I thought or uh, bust. that Riley would be dead before the Utes got into Rose Bowl. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but regardless of whether it's Rose Bowl or playoff, to be the Pac-12 championship after nine years in the league, that's a huge accomplishment. And there's nothing between Friday night at you know nine or ten o'clock, whenever the game wraps up, however long it goes, until the committee announces Sunday morning. Like, can't we at least for 36 hours recognize Pac-12 championship is a massive accomplishment, regardless of what comes next? Yeah, I mean, we should recognize that. I think I, I, but but all of these things play to everybody's fears around here, right? Like, I just feel like, and and this could be this could be just my Utah State blood speaking, but I feel like people in Utah generally have just a little bit of a chip on their shoulder anyway. That that it's a disrespected place, that it's a misunderstood place. Whether whether you're Utah, BYU, Utah State, I feel like the state we're. And I can't speak for everyone, but my observation is we're just a little bit sensitive about national press and all those things. Instead of just, you know, we got to get a little bit more PK in us, and we just don't care what people think about us. Just who, who the freak cares? Take care of it on the field. Go win the Rose Bowl if that's where they put you. Go win a playoff game if that's where you put you. And 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 everybody just take a deep breath and realize that none of those things that are going on are controllable. None of them. You can't control any of it. No, not once you get into the beauty contest aspect of it. That's what it ends up being. And so you're right as far as that goes. Win all your ball games. And I've been saying this for weeks, too. You go 13-1 and with a Rose Bowl victory and, as DJ is talking about, a Pac-12 title in your ninth year. That's pretty doggone impressive. I think the Devils got one in their ninth year uh, when they joined the conference back in the late 70s. And so in 86, the 85, they got one. So that is important, and it really sets up your program. And then you start from Kyle's perspective. You just start establishing. He's already established it, but you really cement your legacy. And then you think about 
uh, adding to it. If he, you know, I've heard room, not necessarily rumors, but I've heard thought that uh, he might quit this year or. You know, certainly in the next couple of years, three years or so, and then you've put the program in good shape, and you leave like a king in the manner that Lavelle Edwards left. I mean, there's no there's no argument against that. The foundation the foundation to me has already been laid. I mean, last year they won the Pac-12 South. They played in the championship game. If they win the championship game and the Pac-12 this year, I mean, the foundation is laid and. I don't know if I got it from Kyle. I've, I've, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I say I've just stolen from people. Let's be honest. But uh, there's there's a quote out there that you just you can't you can't skip steps on the way to a championship. You have to build it. it, it very rarely do you get these overnight successes where you just go in and and you just dominate the Pac-12 and win it, right? And it's been a process, and it's been something that they believed in, and they believe in certain fundamentals and certain type of football at the University of Utah, which is play really good defense, play special teams well, run the ball on offense, take care of the football. And there could have been panic there after year two in the Pac-12, right? Like, oh, we got to go out. We got to redesign everything. And I think in some ways, Kyle didn't do everything perfectly with offensive coordinators and those sorts of things, but he certainly had his core values and beliefs that he stuck to and it's worked. It's worked. And if, if, if they win the Pac-12 championship this Friday night, it's reason for a huge celebration. It's a huge feather in his cap. And I think he can, he can walk out of here whenever he wants to and realize that, that he left this program in a fantastic place. I mean, it, it's it, all these games, even as a, you know, like just an observer, like this is exciting. It's exciting. I'm driving down my neighborhood. Everybody has Utah flags out. It's not even game day. It's all week, right? Right. I and, know I got mine. Yeah, I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's just an exciting feel. And people are excited and they're nervous. And Paul Feinbaum says something and everybody's going crazy. And, you know, but you have to understand that some of these things that are coming out, I, it's no different than BYU in 1984. It hasn't changed in years. I don't. I don't know why Utah expected Utah fan expected anything different from the national media. I, I just. I'm kind of surprised that everybody's got their. You know, they're they're all upset about it. Well, it's not everybody in the national media. Brian Greasy at the end of the broadcast was showering praise over him. Kirk Herbstreit said a bunch of nice things about him. Dennis Dodds had written good things, but I, it's Brando, like you say, Brando there's this said nice thing, right? You met Tim Brando, you're right. And so, but there's the chip on the shoulder. There is, you know. Dick Bavetta's bad call 20 years ago, what people said about BYU 35 years ago, it never really goes away. East Coast bias feels baked in. So you don't hear the three or four people who say something good, and then one get one or two guys say something negative, and you definitely hold on to that. That's what resonates. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really quite incredible. But I, I, I just keep going back to the fact that this is a really, really great football team. I mean, Look, I I mean, and and I said earlier in the year, I think it was after the Washington game, I think the thing that's the most fun for me is watching different players step up every – I mean, now it's Keithy, right? The last two weeks, Keithy has just been amazing. You know, against Washington, you know, you had Nakua making plays, and you you just have all kinds of different guys making plays on this team, and that's – to me, that's what championship teams are all about. Nobody seems to care who gets credit on this team. 
Nobody cares about who's who's the star. Everybody seems to care about winning, and it's it's a fun team. And I, for me to say that, I'm I'm pretty critical of offense. And if offenses aren't super exciting, I'm usually not I'm not that interested in watching it. This is a team that pounds the rock, that is surgical in their passing game, but it's a fun team to watch offensively as well. And it's 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 pretty fascinating to watch this team come together. And there's a lot of confidence up on the hill right now that they can win and that they can win football games. And I wouldn't be surprised that if they do get into the playoffs, that they really kind of show the world what this program is all about and how defense and special teams and taking care of the football matters uh, on the college level. How do you explain the incredible improvement Huntley has made from sophomore to senior year? Well, first of all, he's, he's played in a lot of games. I think secondly, there's, there's just a maturity that takes place as a quarterback. Um, the more games that you get to play, the, the more that you start to understand the game. And then I just, I don't think that you can take away from the fact that having a new offensive coordinator, getting a new set of eyes on things and being able to look at things the way Andy Ludwig does and really buying into that. I mean, you have to give some credit to Tyler Huntley for buying into it. Not every quarterback is okay with going, you know, 13 for 16 for 190 yards and one touchdown and, and thinks like, okay, that's, that's an awesome game. It really is an awesome game, and it's really good for this team. So for him to buy into it, I think that, that takes a lot of maturity, that, that takes a lot of understanding of what it takes to win. And I think, I think that Andy Ludwig has done a, a, a great job of convincing him with, with whatever it is, with just the way that he coaches or with the credibility that he has coming from some SEC and um, Big Ten programs or whatever, whatever it is, he's done a great job of indicating to him how important it is to take care of the football, that you can have a big year and still receive lots of accolades if you play football this way. And I, I just I, – I'm not sure that if I was a quarterback that I could have taken that feedback going into my senior year and really bought all the way in. I would have wanted to be the guy that's thrown for 300 yards and three touchdowns and and – film like I earned my spurs to be able to really let it rip my senior year and so I, I, you have to you have to be um, incredibly complimentary with the way that Huntley's played because it takes a lot of discipline to play the football that he's playing right now you mentioned Andy Ludwig and everything in a good offense you know everything builds on the thing that came before it and whatever you do there's an answer for it but there's a counter to it so obviously, this tight end sweep is just crushing people. They run it five times for Keithy. He's got three touchdowns on the five carries, and he's got a 44-yard carry on one of the two that didn't end up in the end zone. That's going to get overplayed by Oregon and taken away, I would assume. What's the counter to it? What should we be looking at? Because there must be a big play going to the backside, right? Well, yeah. There's, I mean, there's all the the fun thing about a play like that is there's all kinds of counters to it. There's you, you can fake the handoff and then hand off to another running back. You can you can fake the handoff and go play action and go deep to somebody else. Uh, there's there's all kinds of things. There's counter uh, a counter play, meaning it looks like everything's going to the left. You fake the sweep and then you run a counter backside because everybody's over adjusting to that sweep play. But I think the thing that's interesting is, um, you know, it's not like Colorado didn't see that play three, four times the game before. And so 
But Andy's smart enough to know, like, hey, we're going to keep this in there. And if they really don't adjust the way that they're supposed to adjust, we're still going to run that play. I think sometimes, and, and this is just my experience with being an offensive coordinator, sometimes you outsmart yourself in the sense of, like, well, they're for sure going to adjust to that this week. Right, they for sure saw it on film. There's no, there's no way that they're not going to take it away. And then all of a sudden, you come out and they're given a look that totally has the play there. And you're like, man, why didn't I practice that play this week? I guess we can try and run it. And and so I think there's a lot of credit to him that he's not afraid to run it. If they're if they're going to give him the look that he sees that can make that play work, he'll run it again. And then if they don't, he'll have three or four counters to it that are going to be big plays. And Quite frankly, the reason why that play works is because there's a lot of other plays that are working when they send him in motion and when they do different things with the tight end. And so it it puts defenses in a bind. That play, because it hits quickly and because Keithy's a a pretty skilled runner for a tight end, um, it just puts teams in a bind. And there's so many different things that the University of Utah offense throws at you right now. And I know it doesn't seem like it because you're like, oh, this is a running team, but they're running power. They're running zone. They're running quick speed sweep. They're running trap on you. They're running different looks on you that just make it really difficult to cover all the different things that they're doing in the run game. So you have just been appointed Oregon's defensive, co- or excuse me, offensive coordinator. What type of game plan are you putting together to face Utah's defense? <clears throat> well, there's kind of two approaches when, when you're playing against the University of Utah defense. Um, I think First of all, there's going to be all kinds of crossing routes, and this is what a lot of teams have done against the University of Utah. And when I say crossing routes, what they're trying to do is they're trying to rub two receivers together, maybe across the middle, maybe on the outside, to make it difficult for DBs to cover them in a man-to-man scheme. And a lot of teams have done that, but but I think if I'm the offensive coordinator for Oregon, what I'm worried about more than anything is just the ability to block people up front. And so... You really want to try and establish your run game, which is really tough against the University of Utah because they're, they're a tough run defense. But if you can get some slivers in the run game and you can set up some play action where you can go max protect, meaning two running backs in blocking, maybe even your tight end stays in and blocks, and you run a two-man route with your receivers against a man-to-man defense, then you can get some shots downfield and you can feel like you're protected and you can throw some third downs. But – that's all predicated on the fact that you think that you have two receivers um, that can get open in man-on-man, and one of those guys probably isn't going to get open against Jer- against Johnson on the outside. So really you're looking at a one-receiver route, and you're saying, okay, I think we can beat this guy. I think maybe I can beat a safety going one-on-one. And when you look at the safeties for the University of Utah, you got Julian Blackman, who used to play corner, who's now playing safety, so that's a difficult play. And then on the other side, it's, it's, it's a difficult play as well. So you have your hands full when you're playing against the University of Utah because you can sacrifice protection to get more receivers into a route, or you can protect, and you really only have a one receiver route. And so I think it's a difficult task. You've got to hope and you gotta you got to think that one of your receivers can get open against those guys and really win the one-on-one battle. And that's what I'd be stressing is, okay, we got to make sure that we get off the ball well. we got to make sure that we're running crisp routes because we're not going to have huge throwing lanes and we're not going to have a ton of time. So we got to win these one-on-one throwing matchups and really preaching that to the wide receivers that we have to be good and we have to be crisp this week.
So when you factor in rain is expected all weekend and you factor in there could be 20-mile-an-hour winds, how much is that going to change both teams' game plans? Well, it's not going to change Utah's plans very much. Uh, I mean, they're going to run the ball. I think Oregon, and with their coach and, and their style, they, they've probably thrown the ball more than they want to. They probably really want to run the ball against the Utes, but I think, I think that weather is advantage Utes all the way. Um, the wind would be more of a factor than rain to me as far as throwing the ball. In college, the, the balls are taken care of. It's really not that wet in, unless it's just a completely torrential downfall. But wind has, seems to have more of an effect and more of a psychological effect on quarterbacks than, than rain does to me. And so I, I think that's advantage Utah. They run the ball anyway. They want to run the ball. And then they're going to take surgical strikes downfield when it's open. Surgical strikes downfield. I like it, man. No, they do. I mean, that's, that's what they're doing. I mean, it's just... It's really well thought out. They bring people up into the box. They tell you that you got to take away the run game. They stay with the run game. And then there's things that are wide open downfield. And Huntley just really hasn't missed this year. He's been, he's been really accurate downfield on those big plays. And that, it hurts, man. Those are, those are painful throws. The throws that Tyler Huntley are getting, there's not a lot of them. But the three or four strikes a game are just like, oh, my gosh. You know, it's like the difference between like World War II bombers when you're throwing them all over the place, and and modern day warfare where you're dropping one bomb and it's got a little smart computer on the end of it and you're throwing it right where you want it, right? Wow, I got Norman Schwarzkopf <laughs> over here. Norman. <laughs> <laughs> well, back in the day, you know, they just like, they just threw a, a, a bunch of bombs down, hoping they got the target. Now it's like. Now we're going to use one bomb, and it's going to hit right where we want it. And that's that's really what the University of Utah's offense is. Like, look, we're not going to throw that many, but four of them are going to be, like, devastating. <laughs> well, this is a show that started with threats of physical violence is now escalated to uh, computerized warfare. <laughs> All that's, right, that's, Admiral. That's, nice talking to you. <laughs> Admiral Nimitz, thank you. Hey, if I wasn't being mocked by you guys, it wouldn't be a good show. This is, this is fun. This is what we do. There it is. All right. Well, Riley, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Hey, I love coming on your show. Thanks, guys. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And now, attention. top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Utah Jazz back home tonight to face the Lakers. Game tips at 7 o'clock. The Zones coverage begins at 6 o'clock with the pregame show. Lakers are going back-to-back. They won in Denver last night, up by a point with two minutes to go. They went on an 8-0 run and won 105-96. to LeBron James and Anthony Davis combining for 50 points as the Lakers improved 18-3 on the year. Houston Rockets have appealed to the NBA after a double overtime loss to the San Antonio Spurs. James Harden had a dunk that went through the basket and then back up through the basket and was and counted. Rockets want to uh, see if they can replay the final seven minutes and 50 seconds at a later date. Colorado star wide receiver LaVisca Chenault announcing on social media he's going to skip his senior year and go to the NFL draft where he's projected as a first round pick. Carolina Panthers fire head coach Ron Rivera. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Homie. Buying or selling a home, Homie will give you up to $5,000 back to help you with closing costs and fees. Remember, it's simple to get started with Homie. See more at Homie.com. 
win. It's a win ticket Wednesday on the Zone Sports Network. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Win. Listen all day for the win ticket Wednesday sounder for your chance to win tickets. What? Who authorized that? To all the biggest concerts, games, and other great events here in the state of Utah. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. To win tickets Wednesday, we got two tickets for Journey with the Pretenders, May 21st at Yasana Amphitheater. Journey's going to be out on the road next summer with the Pretenders on an extensive North American tour featuring all new production and hits from start to finish. Your chance to see them live is May 21st at Yasana Amphitheater. Tickets are on sale now. Purchase your tickets at LiveNation.com. This is your chance to win tickets. Win. It's a win ticket Wednesday. 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 Caller number 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. And you'll win tickets right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Two tickets for Journey with the Pretenders. If you don't win now... You can win later today in the other shows. It's a win tickets Wednesday. And if you don't win today, well, you can always go to LiveNation.com and buy tickets to the show. All right, PK, time to catch people up on all the stuff we have been talking about here today. And it has mostly been football, football, and more football. Football. There's been a little bit of basketball talk, Jazz Lakers. Jazz Lakers, and yeah, usually that would take center stage. But the Utes and the controversy around the... Not going, and uh, who wants to see Utah? Paul Feinbaum. Nobody wants to see Utah. Screw Woody Page. Paul (laughs) Feinbaum is now the new enemy of the people. He is the enemy of the people, and he cares not. Not at all. The Lakers... One in Denver last night, went right down to the end, so all the guys had to play the full array of minutes. They couldn't rest anybody. They need a NATO run in the last two minutes to win the game. They're coming in here back-to-back. So, yes, it's the Jazz first game back from a long road trip, and that is historically can be a problem. But back-to-back in Denver and Utah to be a problem, too. So, so that evens out. No excuses. Uh, yeah, I want to see them play well and win. I mean, it's important for them to get back on a winning track. Who better than to beat than the Lakers? There's literally nobody better. Lakers are 18-3. and three. There aren't many people beating the Lakers this year. No. They, are, uh, they, they have come flying out of the gate. And, uh, you know, for other reasons, too, as uh, relative to the teams around you, because Dallas beat them, stopped their, what, 10-game winning streak in Los Angeles, and Dallas is really good. Don- Donchitz is incredible. The three teams they've lost to are all really good. Clippers, Raptors, Mavericks. Mavericks got beat at home. I mean, uh, Raptors got beat at home last night by Miami. Uh, so uh, well, they got Jimmy Butler triple double. Went into overtime there, and uh, Raptors really struggled. They might not even score. They might have gone scoreless in overtime. But the point I'm making is Dallas is going to be a contender because he Doncic is like a uh, not as athletic LeBron. I can do it all. 33 and he's 18. Better, and he's a better shooter than LeBron. He's a really good shooter, it seems like. Boy, he's just Which so smooth. Me. All step back, threes, putting it on the floor, you name it. And he's 20 years old. My gosh. He's the Mike Trout of NBA. 
He's the man from the get-go, and there's nothing that's going to derail his career. Right, yeah. He's just going to be the man. Yeah, he's fun to watch. Uh, Phoenix and, and Sacramento, they're going to rue the day. They should already rue the day because those are two teams that passed on them. How about two generational players going third? MJ and LD. Houston and Portland passed the first time. Poor mm-hmm. Phoenix. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Oh, it looks like it now. Maybe Aiton will develop into a dominant center. But there's uh, two things here. That Doncic is that good, and I think the more amazing thing is he's this good this early. The greatest number three picks in the history of the NBA. Uh, yeah, I have no idea on that. Kevin McHale was a number three pick. Hall of Famer. Yeah, I mean, some awesome players at number three. Mm-hmm. Pau Gasol was a number three. Good pick. So Hall was Ennis Cantor and Derek Favors. Uh, okay. Uh, Favors has been okay. Cantor's had his issues, obviously, that seemed to get in the way of him being able to be a ball player. Grant Hill. Too bad about those injuries. All sorts of injuries, yeah. yeah. But that's it. Don't don't go read my Okay, I'm done. Okay. Also tonight, Utah and BYU. The Utes, 5-2. and two. The Cougars, 6-3. and three. And the Cougars, obviously, it almost feels like a new season. Now put Yoli Childs in the middle of all those three-point shooters. Now let's see what you got. Hudson Center tonight, which means it's Pac-12 Network. And it's also early. It's 6 o'clock, not 7. Which, given that the Jazz game starts at 7, I'm glad they're a little offset. I agree. wish they were on different nights, but at least they're an hour offset. Uh, yeah. Looking forward to this game. I'm glad that the kid is back and being able to play ball. And then there's been the football that we have talked about. Paul Feinbaum. Yak, you want to hit him with a little uh, Paul Feinbaum for the 9 o'clock listener who hasn't? Uh, let's give him the short version. He has a longer version where he and Stephen A. Smith laugh, but, he, but this is basically the take, and he hits multiple things very quickly. Let me give you, Paul Feinbaum, the following scenarios, okay? Oklahoma beats Baylor and wins the Big 12. Utah beats Oregon and wins the Pac-12. And LSU takes care of business against Georgia. Who gets the fourth spot? Oklahoma's getting in. Because let's be honest, the country does not want to see Utah in the college football playoff. It's, I'm sorry. I mean, it's Utah. Okay, well, okay. Yeah, so why not? Tell me why not. Is, then we've got them on two different venues, basically, that was, media outlets. That was get, that was get up on ESPN this morning. He goes in the longer on uh, Stephen Smith's show yesterday, the day before. But, all right, it is Utah, but why not? They're not a brand name. Well, then say it. And he says, in the other one, he says, I'm going to hear from all 25 of their fans. Which is ridiculous. That's ignorant. We could set it up so you hear from all 45,000. Well, their attendance this year was 46,462, which was sixth in the conference, right in the middle. Bet you can't name the five teams ahead of them. Bet you can't, bet you can't, bet you can't, bet you can't. USC. Okay, bet you can't name the other five teams. Oregon. But you can't name the other four teams. Washington. But you can't name the other three teams. You're really annoying, you know that. Arizona State. But you can't name the other two teams. 
So they were sixth, and I've named four. One, two, three, four, five. Oh, so, so there's one other one, yeah. This is, and I thought the other one you wouldn't get. I thought you would get the other. The ones you got, I thought you'd get. And I'm counting on you not getting this team. So it doesn't surprise me you got those teams, but there's this one team that there's I... There's two teams I didn't I've got it get. down to. I'm ruling out UCLA because nobody went to their games. If they have a bigger number, it's because it's a lie. 43,849. So that's below by 3,000. Okay. Uh, Stanford is below. Stanford, 37,800. Washington State has a smaller stadium. They're below. 28,541. Or- Oregon State. Not Oregon State. It comes down to Arizona or Colorado. I'm going to say Colorado. Oh, he gets it right. Yeah. <laughs> Buffaloes, huh? By 10,000. 49,000 49, and a half for uh, Colorado, uh, 39,5. So 49,5 for Colorado, 39,5 for Arizona. Yeah. And I think the thing that hurts Arizona is the ASU game is in Tempe. Would have pumped up their number. Yeah, I obviously would have. So we hear Paul Feinbaum there, and you just hear the East Coast bias. You hear the Pac-12 being dismissed. You hear Oklahoma being loved for the brand name. You hear that it's a TV show, and so business matters. Well, what should we do to Paul Feinbaum? Well, you're uh, a big dude, Lincoln, obviously. Why don't you get real close to Feinbaum, just kind of stand oh, over me, him? I, I've been trying for a while. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I really wanted to slap that little bald-ass head for a while, so this is, this is nothing new. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been around Lincoln, but he's a giant. <laughs> he's an NFL offensive lineman, so that's your first clue. And a lot of those NFL linemen, they'll lose weight when they're done. Not Lincoln. <laughs> he carries it well, too. He's, yeah, he's just all solid. And he is a brick wall. See, I don't have any problem with you thinking Oklahoma should be in. But why be so dismissive of Utah? Unless you're just doing it for entertainment purposes. And you're doing it because if I come out here and be outrageous, I fatten my wallet. Tell me that. If you can tell I, me that. Oh well, I know, God. but if you tell them that, then it ruins everything. Yeah. But that. But if you're dismissive of that, team because you really believe they deserve being dismissed like that, then that bothers me. That bothers me a lot. Because there's, it's my conference, obviously, and it's been my conference 10 times longer than it's been in your conference, you fans. So I have more of a claim to it. You have more of a claim in that it's your team, but it's about the conference because you're right. As you said, it could be fill-in-the-blank team in the conference, and I'm pretty sure he would say that. Maybe not to the extent of SC, Washington, and Oregon, but everybody else, certainly. Uh, but why don't you want to see Utah in there? If you want Oklahoma in there, fine. And you think they're a better team and they're more entertaining, fine. But why be so... I'm going to go with the assumption, and this is one of the assumptions that's been them. baked into, you know, for a long time, I haven't thought they're getting in. Me either. Is that the league, first off, the league has a bad rep. Over the last couple of years, you know, and, and getting swamped in the bowl games, going one and eight or whatever it was that year, that certainly didn't help. Losing the rare big intersectional game, stupid. I get it, but it bowl works. Games, it works against them. Eighty-five percent of the bowl games, they don't even matter anymore. You've got anybody who's going into pros doesn't even play. So the conference, two years in a row, has had a big game to open the season and lost it. And there weren't Barely, a lot yes. of big games this season. And so we thought from the start, not before we had 
said, hey, Utah. I mean, obviously, Utah, Oregon, and Washington were all kind of co-favorites in the Pac-12 off of the media poll at the uh, media day. But Oregon was the one, not Washington and Utah. Oregon was the one with the big intersectional game to make a splash. And as soon as they lost that, the story immediately was, well, the pac is in trouble for getting in the playoff. Well, then don't been, play it. Been, <laughs> they've been running from behind in that. Well, there's still a conference championship and a Rose Bowl out there. I mean, the playoff isn't the only thing out there. I know, but that's what you're going to judge it on one game in which a team loses by one possession. The, the risk is not great as the reward. So don't even play the freaking game. Because if that's all we're judging on one game and they lose by less than a, t- a touchdown right at the end, and if they had won, we don't know that they're going to get in because they play nine conference games and their conference is far more balanced than your conference and your conference and your conference. So there's an opportunity, as we saw with Oregon, to lose to the Devils. And a few years back, the Devils were ranked sixth in the college playoff poll and they went up to Corvallis and lost in a bitter cold uh, 1030 at night game. So it happens in this conference. Nobody in this conference has gone undefeated since the conference has gone to 12 teams. And yet in the SEC, you've got six, possibly seven in the same time if LSU finishes it off this year. 14-team league, fewer crossover games. The big dogs don't play each other as Exactly. Often. And there's, the yeah. teams at the bottom are crummier. There is some crumminess at the bottom and the middle. There's no doubt about that. All right, DJ and PK, that's a lot of what we've been talking about. It's a joke. <laughs> Coming up, your feedback, all the stuff you think about today's show. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Hey, good morning, DJ PK. I would have really wanted to see Oklahoma if Alabama was in it because who doesn't want to see Jalen Hurts come back and beat Nick Saban? But now that uh, Bama's out, let's go, Utes. Get him in there. Come on. I don't care what laughing they have. Last time they actually gave us a chance to someone, I believe we beat Alabama. Go Utes. I feel like this is under review. You know, the committee has selected, already selected Oklahoma, but it's under review. And Utah is leaves reasonable doubt, and so the ruling on the field is going to stand with the more popular. Hey, straight from the book of PK, the system is broken. It's no better than the BCS, it's a popularity contest. And I'd like to take this Paul DB and put my foot. <laughs> Good thing he ran out of time there, 15 <laughs> he seconds, right? cut himself off. 15 seconds ran out. System, well, I don't, in order for it to be broken, that meant it had to have worked. You know the system mean? was built broken. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because if something is broke, that means at one point it worked. And that's the good thing about it is that, you know, bad things can spur change. Good can come from bad. Right. But you're not Ohio State or Alabama or Oklahoma. Who's not? You don't, Utah. Or most schools aren't. So for most schools, it's not a case of, well, we're going to be back there in two years. We're going to be back there in three years. Now, for the okay. players, yeah, the players probably aren't getting another shot, so there's that. And then for the fan base... How long do you have to wait for another sh- another shot? You don't want the you want the thing right yeah, I now. Yeah, I agree with you, but in that sense, if I'm and these seniors are who they are, right? I would rather not saying that it's necessarily going to happen, but obviously it's a possibility. I would rather run off the Rose Bowl field as a victor than walk off the semifinal game as a loser. 
And I get that, and we can have that debate on another show, but in the back of everybody's mind is what, and I don't know which one because you played so many, but the guy who said, well, we've been told we weren't good enough before, and I remember what happened at the Sugar Bowl. Ben? So to Ben's point, I am totally fine with, if if the Utes get in as a four seed, whether they're playing Ohio State's the one or LSU's the one, they're both awesome. Mm-hmm. And they both have spectacular offenses. Mm-hmm. But in the back of my mind, I can't forget the Sugar Bowl thinking, I wonder what kind of a shot the Utes have in this thing. I mean, holy cow, this seems like an uphill battle. And then it's 21 nothing, three possessions. And you're like, what? Well, just if you give these guys, and it's the same head coach and it's the same offensive coordinator, if you give them three weeks to prep for one of these teams that's awesome and you give them six or seven NFL defenders – that Sugar Bowl team had more NFL defenders okay, than the team that came it, before it, after. But winning a semifinal game and losing a final? Mm. Oh, cross that bridge when I get to it. Oh, yeah, but I mean, your big three-week spiel. Yeah, they'll help. only have that one time. Yeah. They'll have yeah. probably, it'll be 10 days or something before the title game, yeah. nine days, whatever it is. Yeah, that's great. But, I, but I, you've got to get, get invited to the, to the party. You I don't know. need any invitation here. You can go slaughter well, whoever shows up and in uh, Pasadena. I, you got to go. You, it'll be a There's bitter. There's something to be it, said for that. I agree. It'll be a bitter pill if Utah beats Oregon soundly and then gets leaped, leapt, whatever, jumped by Oregon or by Oklahoma after thumping Oregon. I got you. I would that, agree with that. That'll suck. And and you have to. Uh, you got to go through the seven stages of grieving, right? And people have to let people be man, angry and then. I haven't accepted. gotten past one yet. But, but. You can't let if it ends up being the Rose Bowl. You can't let anything screw that up because oh, it's won't. still awesome. They won't. It'll be. No. I think it'll be Penn State. It might be Wisconsin, They'll but I think it'll be Penn State. Out. Put put them put an all star team between them, and that'll be great for the Utes because that whole time, they will get all sorts of un- incredible amounts of publicity. All right. Well, first things first, and first things first isn't the. Announcement Sunday morning. First things first is claiming the Pac-12 title. And I had that debate when they joined the league about how long it was going to take. And now we know they're one game away from the answer being nine. Well, we knew that Zach, one game away being eight. Zach Moss is talking about how the attitude, he, did, he does think that there was a little bit of happy to be there last year. And of course, there should be a little bit of happy to be there this year, too. Yeah. This year, win. Go out sad and to be there? Go out and oppose <laughs> your will. I, I really can't. hat on hat. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Line up, fingers in the but, dirt. But look at that. But Wait when you're standing, I'm when, out. See you tomorrow. I'm done. Goodbye. It's DJ. You handle it. When you're standing across <laughs> from Zach Moss and he says that, you believe it. You just think he's going to take that attitude and plant some Oregon linebacker. Wait for that moment. DJ PK, Tony, and Austin are up next. We'll see you.